Power the Future presents the Your Fracking Welcome podcast. Each week, Rick and Larry take you through the latest news you need to know to take on the eco-left. We're proud to stand with our country's energy workers who get the job done every day. And to all those greenies out there, we say, you're fracking welcome. Now, here's Rick and Larry. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. No matter where you are across this great nation or around the world, you've stumbled onto the Your Fracking Welcome podcast brought to you by Power of the Future. And I'm Rick Whitbeck, the Alaska State Director for that amazing organization. And joining me, as always, want to say hi, Larry. Larry hi, Larry. Our West- happy Larry. Wednesday. Yeah, happy Wednesday. We normally do these on Friday. We got a little bit little bit behind because of, um, because of a, a statement that we'll talk about in just a second. So we've been playing catch-up and busy, busy, busy uh, with less than a week to go before the election. You know, Larry, let, so we could talk about this all day, but I know that people don't want to listen to a nine-hour podcast. So we're going to try to keep it to about 15 minutes or so. But let's lead with the big story, the gap. And it's not really a gap, but it's what the guy really feels and what the guy really thinks. And that was Joe Biden mentioning under, um, under his words, duress, that he would transition from oil and gas development in in the U.S. Uh, during the debate with President Trump last Thursday. We wrote about it. I wrote about it. Um, you wrote about it. Daniel Turner, our executive director, wrote about it. Hundreds of other conservative and liberal people have written about it. And it was so funny to watch Joe Biden walk back those comments literally before he left the stage area after the debate. I'm sure his people said to him, Joe, you just cost yourself like every swing state in America, New Mexico, uh, Pennsylvania, the Balkans, everywhere that there's fracking, everywhere there's oil and gas development, you just put yourself at risk, you idiot. But that's truly what he thinks. So let's talk about that. Well, it is. And, and I think everyone's looking at it for what exactly it is. It is someone getting caught telling the truth. And some you know, little contextual history would be important here. Uh, let's be clear. Joe Biden has said he is against fracking and he wants to ban fracking. Kamala Harris has said unequivocally she wants to ban fracking. Now, they both tried to soften that position and be more moderate in recent months. But, you know, you can't straddle that fence anymore. And it was shown in that debate because Joe Biden showed who he really is. And so how can you say you want to transition away from oil, but then say, but I'm OK with some fracking? It, it those The positions that are being put out there do not match. And the American people are seeing that constantly. I know they're seeing it in Pennsylvania. They're definitely seeing it here in New Mexico, where you know there is. Um, a, 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 it definitely got some notice here, and I, I think even states like next door to us in Texas were looking at it. There is obviously, you know, not on federal land, but massive oil and gas development there as well. And so, it is pretty stunning to try to watch them say, "Oh, but it'll be in the future." That I, I don't think that's even a moderate type position. If I tell you, hey, congratulations, you have a job, but somewhere in the future, I'm going to transition you out. And that's where I, I would want to leave it because I know we don't have a ton of time. But the fact of the matter is that word transition is starting to grate on me a little bit. They always talk about transitioning someone else. They never talk about their job, their way of life, their culture. They only talk about transitioning somewhere else. And it is simple. They have determined that you need to transition that everybody else needs to transition. They don't have to face any of the downfalls 
of that transition. They'll give lip service, they'll throw some taxpayer dollars here or there to try to make themselves feel better. But the fact of the matter is, that is their way of saying, I'm gonna kill your job, maybe I'll be nice about it, maybe I won't, but I don't wanna to have to deal with the political consequences of saying, I'm gonna kill your job, so we'll just call it transition. Yeah, certainly I, I wanna, you know, I know we wanna go on and start talking about other things on the show, but I do wanna say, the best line of the night wasn't that, it was Kristen Welker, the moderator, when Biden said that, Trump said, oh, that's a big statement. He said, well, it is a big statement. Yes, because I would stop. And Welker cut him off and said, uh, why would you do that? It was like, hey, Joe, first of all, I, I'm solidly behind your campaign, even though I'm trying to, stay, uh, trying to stay in the middle, Joe. This is Kristen Welker's thought process. I've donated to your campaign in the past. I've donated to Democrats all over the world, all over the country. Why would you ever say that? Because you just cost yourself tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of votes. Now, we can only hope that's what actually happens, Larry. Um, but it was it was astonishing to hear the thing that we've talked about for months as far as Biden hates fracking, Biden hates, uh, you know, what we'll call traditional energy workers come right out of the nominee's mouth last Thursday. Well, there are other... Well, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this will be a good transition to what we talk about next, <laughs> using that word transition again. But the fact of the matter is, you know, in New Mexico, we have a congressional district that is heavily reliant on energy. They have a Democrat congresswoman, and she immediately had to put out a tweet saying, I, you know, I don't agree with Joe Biden on this. He should not demonize the oil industry. And what happened? She gets attacked from the left. Saying, right. you know, from people here in our state. And so it definitely absolutely caused ripples, but not enough ripples to detour our governor who has been working hard to get good in the Biden camp um, ever since he's been the nominee. Uh, she auditioned pretty hard to be his vice presidential candidate. We know that didn't work out, but she is definitely looking for a position in a potential Biden administration, so much so that as we record this, it's uh, October 28th on Wednesday, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham will be joining uh, those defenders and you, you know, you can only hear me. You can't see that. I'm putting up the air quotes. Defenders of energy, such as Nancy Pelosi, such as uh, Gavin Newsom, and she will uh, be joining them for a clean energy for Biden. Get out the vote effort, virtual effort tomorrow, hosted out of New York. And so she has gone full Biden on this as well, saying a, a Democrat from an energy-rich state saying that she wants to transition. And she told it to the U.S. Climate Alliance, we need to transition out of fossil fuels. It is something that is bewildering for someone from an energy-rich state to stay, to say. And I mean, as I pointed out, we have a Democrat congresswoman who won't even go that far. Yet the governor feels that she can get away with it and still do it. And I, the only thing I can tell you that they're talking about here in New Mexico is because she feels she'll get a job at a potential Biden administration and she won't pay any political consequence for those comments, but it is definitely raising eyebrows here in New Mexico. Well, and certainly, I mean, as I, as I think about that and what would happen if one of our Alaskan leaders did that, she would be vilified if she was in Alaska. At the same time, I will say this, there, there, there are Alaskan uh, politicians up here who think that a just transition, and again, I use air quotes around that, um, which isn't just and isn't a transition whatsoever, uh, that a just transition needs to happen. We have Elise Galvin running against Don Young up here. We have Al Gross um, running against Dan Sullivan up here. And both of them have said, well, we're, you know, both of them have basically said, well, we're for resource development, 
we also understand the role that climate change plays. We also would would support uh, the democratic um, uh, movement to get back into the Paris Climate Accord. We would both support things like um, you know transitioning uh, at least 30% of Alaska to renewables in the next decade. Well, if you transition Alaska, which runs like 95% on fossil fuel uh, energy, 30% to renewables, you're putting energy workers out of jobs. And for, for me at least, and I'm sure for you and for every one of our, of our listeners to this podcast, a job loss that may or may not ever come back is, is a job too many. Um, transitioning now, <clears throat> using our word for the day, <laughs> to another story up here though, I called it so much winning. And I wrote about it just this morning on powerthefuture.com. Um, there have been two records of decision, Larry, that have come out in the last 24 hours that will lead to jobs for Alaskans and will lead to revenues both federally and for our state. And I want to highlight those because um, they're both big news up here in the Great Land. The first is the uh, record of decision on the Willow Project, which is a ConocoPhillips project in the NPRA, which is the National Petroleum Reserve Alaska. It's federal land up in the northwest corner of the uh, North Slope. And it will bring, when it's fully developed, 160,000 barrels a day of oil, which is about a third of what's currently going through the Trans-Alaska Pipeline system. We're just under 500,000 barrels a day. So it would add another 33% to that uh, to that number. Super good news there because obviously with mature oil fields up here, um, we, you know, we, we need every barrel that goes through that can go through taps. The second would be a rejuvenation of the timber industry in southeast Alaska. Now, it's great to watch the environmental left just go absolutely crazy over opening up about 9 million acres of the Tongass National Forest. Somebody goes, well, 9 million acres. It's about 8% of the forest. Too responsible log just to think about how big that forest is. Um, largest national forest in the U.S., uh, and so it would open up about 8%, 9% of it to uh, responsible logging. Again, watch the eco-left just lose their collective minds as the record of decision on that came out just literally three hours ago. So um, I wrote about it on powerofthefuture.com. You can catch it there. But those are jobs for Alaskans, good-paying jobs for Alaskans, jobs that, that are regionally based and uh, will add to um, the energy uh recovery here in this great state well and it's it's crucial for not only economics but for our way of life and you know when we say that i think people feel that we talk about the energy workers themselves and the communities we live in and that's obviously part of what we talk about sure. but it's your way of life my way of life everyone else's way of life and that was something that those of us here in new mexico got a little taste of uh this week as you know early uh i, I wouldn't say nasty but stronger than usual october winter storm hit New Mexico. I'm here outside Albuquerque. We had eight inches of snow at the house. Temperatures dipped to 18, 19 degrees. And by golly, my family, myself, we were warm and comfortable thanks to the energy workers. And let me just right. go on the walk down the hypocrisy trail here for a little bit. Every environmental group, every keep it in the ground organization that wants to talk about undermining energy jobs was able to do so from the comfort of their own home while using the very product provided from the people whose jobs they are trying to kill. 
I mean, it is so, you know, our energy workers are so dedicated that they'll even keep Joe Biden's basement warm as he tries to kill the jobs across the country. And so it was another example of the gratitude we have. But I, you know, we took it a little step further here at Power of the Future. Um, our largest electric utility has the, you know, up on their website, how much renewable energy is being used in our, by our customers right now. So I took a look at it on, I believe, Tuesday morning or Monday evening as we, you know, temperatures were low and we needed to stay warm. It was less than 5%. Why is that? Well, maybe because when you get snowed on, there's clouds and solar panels don't work so well. The windmills under certain temperatures can't work. And so I was uh, fortunate enough to go on a podcast this week and talk about it with someone who trades in energy. And they were talking about, listen, when we have to do this during our shifts, we have to decide what sources we're going to be pulling energy from. And when you get these quote unquote renewables, it makes things uncertain. And he says, weather dominates everything we do when it comes to yep. energy. And that was even before renewables, but you've taken something that was certain and you've made it uncertain. And so instead of weather just being the one factor of we have to produce and, and find enough electricity to power the grid while weather does something, it's a matter of we have to find it and maybe the weather won't be delivering it as well. He says it is an uncertain future that states like New Mexico, who have passed uh, renewable portfolio standards, can be looking at in the future because of the same way that California has had to look at blackouts and not having the energy that they want when they need it. And so it was just that's my very long winded way of, you know, I would be remiss if we didn't winded? express long gratitude winded? for our workers. What? Yeah, long winded. I said long winded. Yeah. 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 Wind. That is a renewable resource, my gabbing, that's for sure. Well, and and what I guess we'll close with this as we as we look at the election, everybody's you know a lot of people are voting early, Larry. um, But election day is next Tuesday. We may or may not have another podcast before that. What I would say is this: this election on a federal level, on um, at least Alaska state level, I'm sure they're in New Mexico as well. We have an opportunity to go down one of two paths. We have to, uh, an opportunity to go down a path of continued energy independence, continued energy dominance, continued energy recovery, um, keeping the jobs that are uh, driving uh, America as part of the recovery effort from COVID and everything else. Um, or we have a, an ability to <clears throat> transition and force people to uh, make changes and force families to be under pressure and force uh, finances to be under scrutiny and force, um, you know, societal ills to become prevalent because when people are under pressure, lots of bad things happen. And so as we get ready to go to the polls, I know I'll be there at six 30 waiting for the seven o'clock, uh, uh, opening of the poll. And, and on Tuesday, it's supposed to be eight degrees overnight. That'll be beautiful here in uh, the great city of Anchorage. Uh, I, I hope that you join me in voting for the future uh, of our energy workers and and not forcing them to make um, tough decisions because of a quote-unquote just transition. So for everybody that's listening in, we certainly appreciate the opportunity to come to you each and every week. Uh, for Larry Barons, I'm Rick Whitbeck. And for all those eco-extremists out there who say, man, you guys are just killing me, you're fracking welcome. That's it for this episode of Your Fracking Welcome, brought to you by Power the Future. Check us out online at powerthefuture.com or on Twitter at PTF New Mexico. 
and PTF Alaska. In the meantime, make sure you tell your favorite radical environmentalist, you're fracking welcome.